0: Hey there. Do you love Kindling Conversation? Make your voice heard and vote for it at the Australian Podcast Awards. Head to kindling.com.au slash vote. But do it soon, because voting closes April 1st. I used to sit in the preschool in tears.
1: People say to me all the time, you're a parenting expert because you've got six kids. And I'm like,
0: well, you no, know, I know plenty of people with lots of kids and they're not parenting experts at all. <laughs> doesn't matter which school they go to as long as they're being well supported at home because I will not be camping out. <laughs> to get them into the out of area or the fancy private schools. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt.
2: This is the show where we invite a mum and a dad into the studio to give us their take on the week that was. Our topics today are following on from several vicious dog attacks, should we be banning certain breeds in Australia? Are parents and schools too soft on bullies? Can we learn a thing or two about reality TV and what are the classic children's movies that should never be remade? Joining me to discuss all these topics is Kate Brown from Choice Australia and social researcher Nir Korn. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hello. Now, as always, I just want to start with a little introduction to your family so people know where your vast wisdom and experience is coming from. Kate, tell us about your girls.
0: Uh, yeah, I have two girls. Um, we're a very girl heavy house the cat is a girl um so my <laughs> husband's seriously outnumbered my daughters are 10 and 7 um one is as calm as the ocean uh, on a good day and the other ones as wild and stormy as you know a <laughs> tsunami um they're chalk and cheese yeah and
2: which is the one that loves soy sauce Oh, that's the small one she likes. Do you remember that? She
0: drinks soy, soy sauce out of the little
2: plastic fish. It's Kate, disgusting. Kate once said that um, her daughter would crawl over broken glass to get to soy
1: You didn't so- bottle feed her with soy sauce, did you? <laughs> no.
2: Yeah. Maybe you ate a lot of sushi I once do like came. salty food, though, so it's probably my fault. <laughs> and uh, for you, near.
1: I have a 16-year-old stepson at home and a 5-year-old son and a beautiful grudel called Teddy.
2: What's a groodle? A
1: golden retriever <gasps> poodle mix. No way! It means they're lovely, but they don't molt.
0: <gasps> that's my. That's actually my dream dog. I've been looking at dogs, and
2: oh, you can borrow them. Oh. <laughs> so tempting. I had beautiful. no idea. I knew there were labrad. Oh no, hold on. Is a labradoodle the same as a groodle?
1: That's a Labrador,
2: That's and, and you're talking poodle. about golden retrievers. Yeah. Oh, okay, there's yeah. spoodles, and
0: <laughs> Multidoodles, and all kinds of doodles. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right. Well, let's get into it. Our first topic today, speaking of dogs, is um, is it time that we made certain dog breeds not grudels, illegal?
0: A three-year-old boy was riding his bike with his mother and older sister when a dog has run out of the property there and attacked this child. There's been another dog attack on a young child, this time a two-year-old at Sawtell in northern New South Wales.
1: My understanding is it's the family dog. It's a dog that's been at the house for some time. It's not a young dog, it's an older dog.
0: Well, police say this is a timely warning for dog owners to take any necessary precautions to prevent these kinds of
2: attacks. So even if you haven't been watching the news, chances are you've seen these stories in the newspaper. Just a quick rundown. On Saturday, a baby girl, Camilla, was killed by a Rottweiler in Rottweiler Inverell, in which is northern New South Wales. On Sunday night, a 10-year-old girl was attacked by what they say was a South African, hopefully I'll say this right, Boa Boel in Berwick, Melbourne. It's quite a big dog. Then on Tuesday, a 3-year-old boy had his ear savaged by a Great Dane in Newcastle in New South Wales. There was a writer, LJ Charleston, who wrote this really passionate piece for News Limited saying, and I quote, If any breed is powerful enough to kill a person, you shouldn't have it around a small child at all. So the question I have is, should we be making certain breeds illegal? And whose responsibility responsibility is it? Is it the owners to train and restrain their dogs, or is it for the parents to teach children that not all dogs are safe? Kate, I know you're thinking about getting a dog. Uh, I mean, it's not a great time to be... No, that out?
0: no it isn't I mean look the first thing I will say before I launch into my opinion'm I'm, I'm animal crazy um I, I went and lived in Bolivia for three months and walked wild cats in the jungle that's how crazy <laughs> I am about animals so uh, I'm just putting that out there um I love you know and I, I do have a cat at the moment but I've been thinking about getting a dog but I do have really strong feelings about dogs um, and dog owners um, I being animal crazy managed to give birth to a daughter that was deathly a Afraid of dogs. Like she almost got run over by a bus on Norton Street because she didn't want to walk past an elderly, obese pug one day. That's how scared she was. And she wanted to love them, but she was terrified. And I was really confronted by a lot of dog owners who really didn't seem to care or understand and often the first thing they'd say to me is, oh, obviously, you know, you guys don't like animals. And it's was like, oh my, if you even knew. Um, the other thing was very much the onus was all on ivy to kind of deal with the problem. The dog owners were pretty arrogant about that. Parlaying that into the issues we have now, I think, you know, it, it's really tricky. Animals are unpredictable. But I do think you know, when you do have dogs that are big enough to take someone down, you do have dogs that have been bred to the the baubles. That's a South African dog that was bred to protect homesteads and protect predators. Is that the kind of dog you want in the city or you want in a family home? I think, you know... It, it, it's, you know, it's difficult for the dogs that have been bred like that. But if you don't have owners that are responsible and train those dogs, it's it's really tricky. And even if you have trained those dogs, you're not necessarily going to be guaranteed that that dog's not going to act on its base instincts that have been bred into it for hundreds
2: of years. Nia, mm. yeah, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. And it seems to be very common sense-like. I mean, every child needs to be accustomed to dogs. And I've noticed that The kids who aren't accustomed to dogs and run away and are scared of them, that's really unhealthy, you know. Mm. But we had an issue even with our very, very gentle Grudel when the baby came home and he did try and attack him once. And we did think, do we put the dog down? But we learned quickly that uh, we just got the baby to feed the dog, and then he knew he was boss. So every parent really has a responsibility because there's dogs everywhere. Most of them are very gentle and kind. But when it comes to really aggressive breeds, and you know how the experts all talk about how it's not the dog, it's the owner. But I have a sense, and I'm very generalizing here, that a particular kind of person wants a very aggressive dog. And... Maybe like gun owners in the States, you know, have machine guns. I don't understand why anyone needs or wants an aggressive dog because they want to live in a community. So... I'd, I'd be a bit right-wing about this, and I would say there is no place for aggressive dogs in society.
0: I, I, I do agree with that, because I do think the owner and the and the type of dog are often eerily well-matched. And
2: it's like, <laughs> I'm looking at Nia now thinking oh, of and <laughs> Oh, yeah. That, 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 that <clears throat> tells sweet. me Nia, Nia's a lovely person, because brutals <laughs> are delightful. Maybe
1: I got the dog in order to create an image
2: Well it's an interesting question though because thinking Kate now when you're saying you're you're trying to choose a dog for your family and what kind of dog would you choose mm. it's unlikely that you would go for a South African even Bawble. without this even without that story <laughs> yeah. you know Yeah and and you know
0: I I'm you know I do I love animals I would love to get a, a rescue dog as well and that's something I'm looking at But it, it is very sad it's so many rescue dogs have what I consider not appropriate breeds in them. There's mastiffs, there's pit bulls, there's um, a lot of the kind of quite aggressive dogs, even if they're not aggressive to humans, they're quite aggressive to other dogs. And it is sad. And you can see how these are often the dogs that get left to be rescued. Um, and yes, you know, designer dogs, you know, people can laugh at them. But at the same time, you know, as as you can breed a dog over hundreds of years to be inherently aggressive, you can breed a delightful dog <laughs> that Correct. doesn't shed and is generally pretty easygoing and chilled out. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's some for. people
1: who have dogs who are bred to be aggressive, who have bred, who have trained them to be very gentle and kind, mm. but they do have an unpredictable instinct which tells them to do that. Just two days ago in the park, I was just walking Teddy and there was a lady there with two little dogs um, And the way she was treating the one dog told me to be careful. And sure enough, a few seconds later, the other dog attacked my beautiful Mm.
2: doggie.
1: And looking at her stress and aggression levels told me this is something to keep away from. So obviously we went to the other side of the park, but it shouldn't really happen.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, there's a lot to think about there. Next, we're going to be speaking about parents and schools, whether they're too soft on bullies. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. We've invited two parents into the studio to get their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. Today, I'm joined by Kate Brown from Choice Australia and social researcher, Nick Korn.
0: You with your words like knives and swords and weapons that you use against me, you
2: have knocked me up my feet again, got me feeling like a nothing you in the lead up to the National Day of Action Against Bullying and Violence, writer Kylie Lang argues that we need to have zero tolerance of bullies in schools. She says, quote, some bullying behaviour is linked to personality disorders, but most can be corrected with firm discipline and the setting and enforcing of boundaries. The type of tough love tough love, sorry, many parents avoid these days. Um, Now that I have children at school, I don't think I see things as black and white as that. Um, Kate, do you agree with Kylie's comment that um, basically parents, and the rest of her article implies schools as well, um, need to be tougher on bullies?
0: I think bullying is so, so complex and it really depends on the child. And I do actually feel like I can speak on this because I've actually had some issues um, in the last couple of weeks with my youngest daughter. Um, And believe it or not, she's the one that's been being the bully and that is really Mm. confronting. Um, And we've been unpacking what's been going on there and it's, it's so complex. I mean, my daughter's having a lot of emotional problems. She's got a friend and the two of them together are just a bad combination. They love each other, but when it goes toxic, it goes super toxic. And yeah, look, maybe even a year ago I would have said, "Sure, you need to just, you know, get in there and un- and um un- just unraveling these two little girls' personal situation is possibly one of the most complicated things I've ever come across. I can imagine. And so, and each situation is uniquely different. Um, But what I will say, and I feel incredibly lucky, is um, the school has been amazing. And the school hasn't gone for black and white solutions. The school has said, we don't want them not to be friends for example and keep them separated we want them to be able to work through it and also work through their behavior with other children Um, and they're really taking a very kind of proactive um approach with this which I'm so grateful for because the first thing when I found out about is I felt utterly disarmed because I'm like I can't be in the playground I can't control this situation so for me it's not black and white uh, but you know yeah look you know school's parents need support, they don't need tough.
2: And how would you feel if that the school had been really tough on your daughter? How would that have made you feel as a parent? Knowing there's a problem, but also understanding she's in a hard place?
0: I'm yeah, look, I mean, I'm I'm not Against that, I'm definitely not a kind of parent that would jump in and go, oh, it's not my daughter. You know, it's obviously the other child. And I'm so grateful, actually, this other child who's in this little death lock at the moment. Her parents are very reasonable as well. Um, I think, you know, there's a place for that, but there's also a place for unpacking what's going on. And um, the school, you know, in in our our case, the school's done that. And it's um, unearthed a whole (laughs) whole Pandora's box of problems that we're working through now. But I think if you just did the kind of discipline, that top-line discipline, you're not going to get to that place. So, I don't know how long it would last.
1: Can I, can I ask you, so I've thought of this before. Is it worse if your child is the bully as opposed to the one being bullied? I,
0: I think it is, near And <laughs> I was just very shocked. It was that first reaction was like, that doesn't... We don't do that. Mm. We're not, you know. And I almost thought, oh, she's the one that's being bullied and, and I think I went to that place because that's the easier, that's, you can then be outraged. Um, I just felt this crushing kind of mix of guilt, absolute horror um, and kind of panic because I'm like, I, I, yeah, it's almost like we're hardwired to know how to react when you're the victim but mm. not, not when it's your child mm. and you've got to love your child and support your child but you're also pretty, I was pretty angry when I found out some of the things she and her friend were doing. Mm. Yeah.
2: Nia, have you had any experience
1: in this? Only as a child who was bullied. And, um, you know, the schools that I went to, you know, all those years ago are very different from the schools today. The level of awareness and care is really quite profound and schools do respond really well in general. But when I ask kids and young teenagers about bullying and I ask them, what proportion of bullying do you think your parents and teachers at school's, know about and they said ten percent wow, so the tip of the iceberg because it's no longer out there where you bully and everyone can see and nobody cares because they know it's secret it's hidden it's very subtle and I said to the kids why don't you share this with your parents and they said, because my parents want me to succeed so much in the playground I don't want to disappoint them oh. so and obviously for the child who is bullied, for all the children, we've seen catastrophic cases of late. <clears throat> this is such an enormous issue. So there has to be intervention and severe intervention in cases. Um, excuse me, but it's very, it has to be within the circumstances, doesn't it? Maybe like with the dog owners we were talking about, maybe there is in severe cases, a degree of what's happening in the home. I'm not saying in your case, of course, but I'm Mm, saying in severe cases, what's leading the child to do so. But having said that, children do not deserve to be bullied at any circumstances, and schools are responsible, along with the parents, to create an atmosphere where they can come up with it, they can talk about it, and it can be resolved. And if it requires expulsion or punishment, it should do, because we should not show a sign of tolerating it. But one other thing is that kids have told me very clearly, when I say to them, don't schools have programs and things? They said sometimes that actually makes it worse.
2: Really? How? Because...
1: The schools come out like companies have beautiful mission statements. We believe in equality and community, but then they are just fluff words. Mm-hmm. And that makes it very harder for the kid to come forward with it because it doesn't exist in theory. So I think we have to be very careful and you have to have a school and teachers and leaders who are more astute, who are not behind the desk but in the field, watching, observing, talking, and communicating about these things.
2: So what you're saying is the examples in these programs aren't sort of real-life examples. They're like ideal situations in how you would deal with it?
1: Well, a school comes out of the very first assembly and said, we don't tolerate bullying here. And then a kid is bullied. Well, hold on. They've just got a contrasting right. message, and I've got no voice because you told me it doesn't exist. And I think they have to say, we don't accept it, here's the consequences, but if you experience anything, if you see anyone else experience anything, please come forward. And it's treated in the rightful manner, not not knee-jerk, of course, but in the gentle manner of let's find out what's going on, what's the other side, what's the complexity of it. Mm. But then, of course, you get accused of mollycoddling kids too much, and as a parent, I know this. It's very hard to know when to get involved. I went to leave things alone. Yeah, And I'm conflicted by this with a six-year-old. I can't imagine what will happen when he's a
0: 12-year-old. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> I might have to go on a long holiday. I do have a funny anecdote because my, my daughters were given some bullying, hey, no way, you know, <laughs> thing. And they were wearing, they both were in these little bracelets. And then I <laughs> saw one of my daughters kicking the other one and shrieking, get away from me, as she's wearing, the, you know, it was just like <laughs> the irony. And I think you're right. It's just... They know bullying's a bad thing, but they don't actually understand that maybe what they're doing is is bullying.
1: And bullying doesn't have to be overt. It can very much be just, you know, for girls, a lot of bullying is just by leaving somebody out. And that is incredibly painful for those involved. But what can they argue? There's no bullying involved per se. That that
0: was pretty much the situation we've been in. It's all been about social dynamics, so very subtle. It's very hard to get a seven-year-old to even understand how that affects others and, you know, the consequences. And, you know,
1: they're going towards their years, you know, and the playground gets much complicated much earlier these days. And the competition to remain popular and sustain popularity is one that requires a real goodness of soul to overcome in the appropriate Mm. manner.
2: Oh my gosh, you're giving me hives. All <laughs> right, <laughs> let's move on before I panic too much about the teenage years. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guest today are Kate Brown from Choice Australia and social researcher near Korn. In a moment, could we all learn a thing or two from reality TV? You're listening to Kinderly Conversation. Big Brother certainly wasn't, isn't the most modern reality TV show, but it was perhaps the best known and I don't know, longest running. I have never been able to deal with reality TV. But there are so many people, particularly in this office here at Kindling, that love Married at First Sight. Writer Victoria Hannaford says that Married at First Sight should be compulsory viewing because it demonstrates so clearly what toxic masculinity looks like. And I'm wondering... (laughs) Actually, have a point? Like, not saying that we can all take something away from Married at First Sight, but sometimes reality TV does show up the underside of life. Um, and I'm just wondering if our guests have ever found reality TV uh, insightful and um, what show do they think has the most to teach their audience? Kate, I'm going to start with you because I don't know why. I'm just thinking maybe you might like reality TV. I, lo- I love reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got this amazing
0: that. excuse because um, my my partner works for one of the major networks that produces oh, so you have a to... lot of reality <laughs> TV. So my excuse is that <clears throat> it kind of pays the mortgage and it's research. Um <laughs> Having said that, uh, yeah, you, you know, you have to watch it in the right spirit. So I do, I do love the idea that you know, where I work, and we've got all these amazingly well-educated young women in the office, but they all love watching The Bachelor, for example, or running a sweep, but it's all done with a kind of, you know eyebrow raised in an ironic way Um, and it is a lot of fun.
2: Um, Because most people know it's not reality right? I don't know many people who look at it and think it hasn't been edited or and this thing about toxic masculinity like Um, I cannot bear to watch any reality TV because it just makes me cringe. Mm. But I love asking my colleagues, so what happened last night and who did what? Ah, so (laughs) so, 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 (laughs) you're watching
0: vicariously. Exactly. Mm. Well, look, yeah, I... I love it. I love I often find that I read the updates online. I haven't actually watched the show. Like, I've never really watched Married at First Sight, but I know everything that's going on because <laughs> I've read. I don't know what that says about me. In my house, um, the girls do see some of it. We're not really sitting down watching The Bachelor with them or anything like that yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I will say this they love MasterChef. And MasterChef's. It's basically reality TV. It's a bit classier. Um, And they love it. I'm really bored with it now.
2: Um, I think most people are. Um, But I've been told that MasterChef had a a nice spirit about it. That's right. Unlike other shows. That's right. It's
1: cooperative. It's about success as opposed to voting somebody out you really care about. And that's something very Australian, I think.
0: And Mm. overcoming adversity. So often, you know, they have these sort of impossible Mm. challenges. And my girls are who Um in a way that I'm astonished by this is when they were quite little like sort of four and five and and I think it was that kind of human story that they really um, identified with and they loved and they had their favourites but you're absolutely right and I think maybe that's why MasterChefs continued and um, being quite successful because it is it is done in quite a different spirit um, having said that they do watch I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here um, <laughs> and, but again it is very interesting because they often say why is that person acting this way? Why and and you do see these kind of people who are constructs stripped bare and hungry and a bit cranky. And, yeah, I think, you know, they've come up with some interesting questions. So, yeah, I wouldn't write it off 100%.
2: Neil, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I've, I've looked at this extensively with people and with kids. And um, there's two things behind reality TV. One is learning to live. How do other people manage in these circumstances? And in that way, it's actually very beneficial because here's somebody in a very stressed situation. They might have been kind of teased or something or how do they deal with it? And they find this really reassuring to learn from. On the flip side, it's also about permissible malice. It allows us to make fun of people, and the truth is we look at it with both eyes. People look at it, but they also make fun of people, and that's not a great human characteristic. And I think it depends on what the show's purpose is. Marriage at First Sight, I dare say, is about being salacious. It's about picking all the horrible bits where people backstab. I don't know the value for any child to really be exposed to that. But then you look at other shows, and The Block, MasterChef, these are shows where people are cooperating with each other. And I guess generally I would say things like if you look at My Year 12 on ABC Me, for example – That's a great example where they're really showing people quite raw. How do you deal with this tough situation? And there it can be an incredibly positive scenario. How do other people do it?
2: Mm. So, oh, you've given me reasons to watch it now. Just some comments from the audience. Catherine says there is reality TV and there is reality MAFS Married at Sight is not reality, neither is The bachelor, bachelor or even Master Chef, for that matter. Closest thing to real reality TV is probably Grand Designs. I dispute that. But anyway. <laughs> oh, and Struggle Street was pretty educational. That show could really teach some people about the reality that is happening around them. Dee says, no one needs to see that. And Christy says, it's the psychology of humans. Up next, we're going to be talking about when classic movies should not be remade.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. There are many more topics to stream or download in the Kindling app.
1: There probably aren't words to describe
2: your emotions. Now, 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 gentlemen, please. On the contrary, there's a very good word. Am I right, Bert? Tell them what it is.
1: Right. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.
2: Even though Just thought I'd leave that song in your head for the rest of the day. So the release of the Mary Poppins Return trailer made me think about classics that have been remade that should have just been left alone. I mean, I know this isn't a remake, it's a sequel, but it's still saying that Emily Blunt is... Mary Poppins. And really, can anyone else play Mary Poppins apart from Julie Andrews? Some comments from uh, our audience again. Jono says, Don't get me started on the worst remake of a child's movie, which was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp. Eliza says, Emily Blunt is an outstanding actress. I really look forward to her trying this role. Bonnie says, I have a special place for Julie Andrews in my heart as Mary Poppins, but I think if a director wants to show a different side to something a bit unique and fresh and also play homage to the original, I think go for it. I mean, we know the reason they keep remaking movies. If they don't, they can lose the rights to the movie. I didn't know that. So let's just hope that as they remake, they do it with style and bring something new along with the old. And Alethea says, hmm, I'd have to put my five-year-old, put it to my five-year-old. She's the expert. <laughs> um, so, Near, do you have any... Um, of classics that you think should have been remade or are there some that you actually like?
1: I think about it a lot because personally, and I hear this from a lot of people, there's a sense of nostalgia. You really want your kids to enjoy some of the properties that you enjoyed as a child and see their eyes light up like yours did. And then Willy Wonka is the obvious example where I think, why, you know? (laughs) And and it stands the test of time because I don't know if many of these movies can stand the test of time anymore, but Willy Wonka did, and it's just infectious. I think The Wizard of Oz could never be remade again. I don't know if you could... Because when they remake these movies in the present context, it doesn't seem as innocent and pure anymore. There seems to be something about it that's a bit more... Edgy, and I don't think the producers can help it. In fact, in a modern era, but I think sometimes innocence and naivety is a beautiful thing to keep as it is.
0: Mm. Kate and simplicity because my daughters both loved The Wizard of Oz, and I mean, it was made such a long time a long ago. Time. And you know, so much of those sets, you know, they were handmade, and it's almost like musical theatre or something. They don't mind, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking with horror. My God, imagine if someone wanted to remake it. There'd be special effects out the wazoo. Does that bring anything? (laughs) Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, Um, yeah. Look, it's it's really tough, and I have to laugh because I saw a trailer for Peter Rabbit the other day. Oh yes, controversial. Oh. Yeah, and I was.
2: I, I, I was actually want to see that.
0: Joking because a friend of mine worked on it, he had a lot of problems with it. And, and then I said, Please tell me they haven't turned Peter Rabbit all modern and he's not kind of breakdancing. And, and and my friend is actually like, How did you know? And I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> and he's this, you know, fast talking
2: geezer with a denim jacket, yeah.
0: you know, doing like breakdancing. And he, dancing. Was like, he was
2: chatting with Mr. Fox. Oh, no, Mr. Todd, who is the fox, who you yeah. would never no, chat to. Peter Rabbit does not chat never. to Mr. Todd.
0: Um, so yeah, I, you know, at, but near, I think you get the nail on the head because you want to, you want them to have that sense that 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 you did, and that, that excitement that you did, and 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 be locked onto the same sensibilities that you were locked into. And I have to digress just on that. Um, my my youngest has been reading The Magic Faraway Tree, yeah, and we, we picked up a newer version of it, and. Fanny is now called Franny. Right. Dick is called Rick. And Madam Slap, James Slap, who used to send chills down my spine, is now called James Snap. Right. And I'm like, why?
2: Why? (laughs) Yes. I didn't know they did it with books. (sighs) Oh. Oh,
0: my goodness. I was like, why not just give them mobile phones and a drone that they can fly up the faraway Well, tree. I think that
1: is, in fact, what happens. And sometimes it's not necessary. Just yeah. because all these things exist in the modern world doesn't mean we can't be a bit pure about it sometimes.
0: And I think you're not giving children any credit. Mm-hmm. They have the ability to transpose themselves to a time where these things weren't there or they weren't special. They they don't have a problem with it. It seems that the adults who are producing these films or in this go through writing the books, they're the ones that have, they're they're kind of putting an adult lens onto stuff that children will just accept
2: beautifully. So keep the classics, classics near. Kate, it's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming in.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
2: You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio
0: podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday. Hey there! Do you love Kindling Conversation? Make your voice heard and vote for it at the Australian Podcast Awards. Head to kindling.com.au slash vote. But do it soon, because voting closes April 1st.